0: Ah, yes.
1: It is the summertime. So you know what that means? It is our summertime soapbox special. Yeah. So we got a bunch of soapboxes for y'all to enjoy. Some compilations from previous episodes. So enjoy the summer. We're taking a break for this summer. So sit back, relax, and we'll see you on the other side. Enjoy your summer, people. trying to wrap my head around things, trying to formulate uh, how I could come across on this soapbox and um, try to get this off my chest. See, guys, this is therapy for me. This keeps me from doing the things that I shouldn't do. And I, I, I often think if that was me and if I was Kyle Rittenhouse, how he was able to just trot down the streets during civil unrest and protest with a long rifle and walk without a care in the world, not worried about being shot, not worried about being killed when you had the National Guard there. Let's try to understand why he was there in the first place as if he was called upon to be there. And he, as he would say, deliver aid as if there wasn't medical staff there, as if there wasn't the National Guard trained military there. You felt compelled as a 17-year-old child. And then the mother as well driving her son across state lines to be there. To where he picked up a weapon that was purchased illegally for him as he was underage. But what how did this all begin? What 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 was this? Let's get a timeline. In August 23rd of 2020, a year ago, as we're still in a pandemic, right? And people were just being released outside a little bit. We were just opening up the world. We all noticed it was getting crazy or so many crimes committed. It seemed like the police were antsy because they were just stopping people for everything. Now at the time, there were police on the scene as Jacob Blake was in his own right, stopping a domestic dispute between two women. He was there rendering aid. He was there as the calming force. Then the police arrived, creating an entirely different element. The police came and escalated the situation. And because Jacob Blake had two small children in the backseat of his vehicle, He's like, you have it. I don't want to be like, I don't want nothing to do with this. You can see it on video as he's like waving his hands like, I'm I'm out of here. So because the police officer wanted to take matters in his own hands, because the police officer saw this black man as a threat, even though he's walking away, that he yells knife. So you're trying to tell me as you have your gun on your hip, that this black man was walking calmly away from you with his hands up to his vehicle with his children in his back seat to go grab a knife? And say, for instance, that is the case. If you are at a distance, if you remain at a distance as you are trained to do, when you see there is an immediate threat, you are trying to take cover. You should be paces behind, especially if it's a knight. What's the saying? Never bring a knife to a gunfight? But you were still a fear for your life as you were in close proximity as he was going into his vehicle to leave the scene as you are now the police officer there you should be taking control of the situation to disperse the two women from fighting but no you followed the black man the threat and shot him seven times in the back at close range paralyzing him and we're fresh off of george floyd So you can understand why there was such an uprise. As in, a few days later on the 26th, the Milwaukee Bucks, who are the home team to that area in Kenosha, Wisconsin, the Bucks boycott their playoff game, game five of the first round against the Magic. Unprecedented. It was one of the best teams. I think they actually were the best team in the league. They're the number one seed in the East. And they boycotted their game five versus the Orlando Magic. Stating things like this have to stop. Black Lives Matter, which they always bring up when it comes to police shooting unarmed black men. People are tired of it, right? To the point where when this happened, it became a ripple effect. The entire NBA ceased action that day. This is playoff, this is not a regular season game, this is a playoff game, never happened. Been at every sport, WNBA, soccer, every sport boycotted that day. The world, the, the sports world stood still in protest of another unarmed black man being shot by the police. Less than 24 hours later, that midnight as they were protesting in the streets the black lives matter movement the allies i say allies because these are people who are non-black who are non-african-american who are also fed up as the entire world already watched the george floyd situation the entire world was able to see it because we were stuck in our habitats and glued to television and we all saw it, glued to social media. So we all saw it. So there has never been more allies in efforts to correct the civil actions or the civil unrest in this United States. People are protesting in France. So now our allies are there and Anthony Huber, Joseph Rosenbaum, and I forgot the other guy's name is Gage Goose Krentz, I forgot, if I'm butchering him, I apologize. That's the other man. These people, these people are there and allies. But then you have a 17-year-old Kyle Rittenhouse cross state lines from Illinois to Wisconsin saying he's there to render aid, lying to people saying he's a resident of the area carrying a rifle. But you're there to render aid. You're there to protect the businesses from being vandalized. You're there to... Be like, And then you tell other people that you are an EMT as well. Oh, yeah, I'm an EMT. Oh, yeah, I'm from the area. I'm here to help. I'm here to help. Last time I checked, I don't see any EMTs with any sort of firearms ever. Right? What's your training as a 17-year-old boy supposed to actually be? And why do you continue to lie? Hmm. And now you go down there and the other side of the story is you feel like people are randomly attacking you why would they do that why would people just come up to you and attack you why because you're there with a gun and you're threatening the lives of people who are there to be allies for the black lives matter movement you're there to start trouble you were there because you felt this compulsion that you need to protect this nation from black people uprising. You're there to protect the white ideology of this nation, that you are above the law, that you are greater than, that these thugs need to be put in their place. He deserved to be shot because he's a black man who was obviously a threat, and you knew that you were a white man who is armed will not be a threat because you are protecting your homeland in your mind. And the law backs you up. So you go ahead and kill two men and injure another. And you fake a cry in the courtroom, get off on all five counts. And it's not a surprise to anyone. Eerily reminds us of George Zimmerman and Trayvon Martin. He stood his ground, but you were tracking and tracing a young man with skittles. How was he a threat to you? Oh, he said he doesn't belong in my neighborhood. Actually, his family lived there. You just didn't know it. So, what made you think that you saw a young black boy walking through the neighborhood who's also 17? You're a grown-ass man, and you're tracing him, tracking him. The 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 police or the or the operators tell you to not engage yet you do so anyway with the firearm you scuffle with him and you shoot to kill and you get off on all counts this is how the black lives matter began and here we are once again once again we are here this is why people are so upset because it's becoming glaringly obvious Really matter. You have the Proud Boys and others and the KKK, and none of these people are looked at as vigilantes. None of these people are looked at as terrorists. That's exactly what you are. Because not one person who was there like yourself killed anyone. Not one other person who was there, quote unquote, creating a ruckus or vandalizing kill anyone. Ever. They're not there to harm. Many, if not any, are even armed at all. But why are you? Why are you there? And how are you allowed to get away with it? This country continues to show you their true colors. This country continues to show you and you say that the system is broken. The system works the way it's supposed to work. The system is set up to assist and aid white men even when they kill another white man. But see, it's the context that matters. Whether they used to say back in the day, the one thing worse than a nigga is a nigga lover. I'm sorry, I said nigga with the A. No, they say nigger. Nothing worse than a nigger than a nigger lover. So they deserve to be executed. Their lives are worth less than that of a nigger. It's the context that matters, people. Oh, he killed white people. No, he he, first of all, one of them is Jewish. But no, he killed nigger lovers. So they deserve to die. That's the statement that was put. That has been the history of this nation. And nothing is going to change it until it's changed by force. Until next time. We do not own the rights to this music. Ooh. For the
0: block point. take it rough. Whoa. Every day has been the same old thing on my block. You either working or you slanging. On my block, you had to hustle, cause that's how we was raised on my block. And you stayed on your hop until you made you a knock on my block to hang out. Was the thing back then, and even when you left out, you came back in to my block from Hollywood. Belfort the Scott, re the flocks, we know the spice. So, Drank all the blue dots on your block, you probably bred a fat pad of Tupac, a big to be out. Your homeboys from Lehigh, and even when it was storming outside. I had to play the big shot. knew <laughs> me back when I was stealing beer from Shamrock and my nickname was creepy. If Black Duke could see me, he'd be tripping. I bet he still try to tease me. My block. Well, everything is everything. But she's My block. We probably done it all, homie. But me me. My block. We made the impossible look easy. But she's I'll never leave my block. My block. See me. My block. We ducking. And the, the cops. Racing impala's chrome dot on my block it ain't no different than the next block you get drunk and pass out and they pack into the hot and when you wake up on the couch you're going right back at it on my block when you're the up they laugh at it on my block it's just another day in the heart on the south side of houston texas making your mark on my block with you and all the time playing dominoes keep the squishy, sweet die till my mama goes need my me my, my block. Everybody fit ain't your business. What's going on in this house? Staying here comprended on my block. You had to have that understanding. Cause if you told Miss Maddie, she went and told Gladys. And with Punchy Mama got it, it was all on the wire. And when the word got back, they said, Yo, five. Oh bye. my block, we got some numbers, shell shock. We never quite got right. Now they in help. my block. It's like the world don't exist. We stay confined to this small. I wouldn't trade it for. But...
1: some things I just don't understand how as every man continues to walk and talk and do the same things and all want the same things how can another man hate a man hate a man for what exactly what 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 are we doing like as I like to say for why as I sit here and just think about things as they appear just you know in life but then I think Everyone who's done anything has a hater. Think about it. No matter, and we could talk, we could keep it as sports. People have haters all the time. For those who are loved, then will then still have a hater. Like someone's going to sit there and look at you and say, based upon what you have, why can I not have that? That's part of envy. And we call those haters up. And it's also to the same token, you know, someone can covet your wife. Or a husband. And then now you have another hater. Nothing that you did on your own merit. Like you just live in your life. But because someone coveted something that you have, they are now your hater. Or doing something that they cannot do, now they're your hater. It starts as early as grade school. You know, the, 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 the girl who doesn't have to do anything to get all the boys' attention, now she has a group of haters because she had pretty eyes or something, pretty hair. Or maybe she was just a sweet girl. Maybe she's just nice. Or the boy who, you know, was super fast, had a nice smile. Now everybody hate on him. He's tall. You hate on him. Sometimes they hate for other reasons. Sometimes you were the poor kid in school or the kid who, you know, had to, had to hand-me-down clothes. Remember that? You had to have your older siblings' clothes. For me, I didn't have any older brothers. I had a to- I had two tomboy sisters. So I got to hand-me-down clothes for my sister. <laughs> Luckily, if she was a tomboy, we used to wear cross colors back then. It, to the point where people used to call me Little Melita. That's my sister's name. She's going to be on another show later. But all these haters. Look at all these haters. Follow me every day. I just need some time. Some time to get away. Oh no, no. Now that song is actually called Rumors, but you get the drift. Some of y'all are too young, don't even know what song I was even <laughs> copying right there. But the point still remains. And I feel it like this. If you don't have haters, you're not doing something right. If you, let me say that again. If you don't have haters, you're not doing something right. Because when you have haters, their haters knew you were great before you did. They see what you do and they're like, man, this person right here is just better than me. Let the hateration be your motivation. When you see people hating on you and saying things that are hateful to you or you feel like it's some form of shade, then you know you got their attention. Let their hateration be your inspiration. Let that hate sizzle in their spirit. Don't let that be your burden. Don't let the things that they're telling you and going through because don't let them stop your shine. Say, oh, you can't do that. Why, because you couldn't do that? Sometimes the hate can come from your own family. They can't see what you see. Don't let them stop what you're trying to do because God is talking inside of you and telling you what you got is great. Don't let them stop you. Don't let them say, oh, because they didn't do it, you can't do it. That's not how that works. Don't lose your faith. Don't let their hate fill into you and fill you with hate and then you pass it on to the next generation. That's what happened to them. They were told that once upon a time they couldn't do something. So they didn't do something. Then they see you doing it. They're like, no, nah, you can't do it either. Crabs in the barrel. And sometimes, and the thing is, is we don't want to take hate too far because if in the, in the sports realm, if you don't agree with an opinion, that's what a lot of it is, an opinion on a player or something like that, they say, oh, you hating all these stands out there. And I'm going to talk about y'all. Online, We're going to have a whole space just for Stan's culture, meaning a Stan is, I don't know if you guys remember Eminem when he was rapping and he had this, the song was called Stan because the guy who idolized him, it was a fed who just idolized him so much that he could do no wrong. And he idolized him. He started to look like him and dress like him, him. he used to send him all these letters to the point where he ended up killing himself. He was just so far gone because he was just so in love with Eminem and Eminem didn't read his letters until it was too late. So we call these fans or these players, we call them stands. The ones who look at LeBron, he could do no wrong. Look at Russell Westbrook, he could do no wrong. Look at Jordan, he could do no wrong. These type of people, we call them stands, right? And if you say anything against their God King or whomever, you are a hater. That's not the kind of haters I'm talking about. I'm talking about the people who stand in your way from your success. The people that you have no clue they're hating on you until you find out later. You go online, you find out they blocked you, like, I don't even know you. Who are you to block me? I don't know you. It could be somebody in your own family. You have people in your own crew talking about you behind your back. You just have to pay attention. At the end of the day, you don't let the haters hold you back. You let them pull you up. You use their hateration to be your inspiration, to be your motivation. That's what you use, but you got to recognize who that hater is, though. You can't keep that hater. I know they say keep your enemies close. You know what I mean? I, I I get that. But you keep them close for that bait. Keep them within arm's length. Keep them within eyesight close. I can see you, but I don't want you to infect your disease towards me. So, yes, keep your enemies close, but not too damn close where they can't stab you in the back. If you ain't got no haters, you ain't doing something right. Keep on hating, people. It's all right. Because us right here, we're going to be all right. Until next time. Are you tired of spending your entire weekend at dealerships only to feel as if you got a raw deal? Don't you hate all the back and forth and haggling for countless hours? Imagine this, while you're at work, or having dinner, or just enjoying life, the people at Pure Diamond Auto are working a great deal on your behalf. With Pure Diamond Auto, they have a team of former sales and finance managers who know all the tricks of the trade. Call 562-PDA-7888 today for a free consultation. That's 562-732-7888. What can I say? I love PDA. Happy All right, you already know what time it is. It's my favorite part of the show, it's the happy birthday, so let's go. Jason Mraz turns 45 this week. Alana Ritchie, dancing on the C lane, turns 73 this week. Claire, Kiki Sheer, Kira Shear turns 35 this week, and Dikembe Matumbo, no, 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 turns 56 this week. Sage the Gemini turns 30 this week, and Prince William turns 40. NBA legend Willis Reed turns 80 this week, and John Goodman turns 70. And Juicy Smog, yay, Juicy Jesse Smollett, don't drop the show, brother. He turns 39 this week. Dr. Miller Chick, the only infamous person who got drafted before D. Wade and Carmelo Anthony and all those other guys, uh, turns 38 this week. And Soraya McNeil from The Empire turns 27 this week. Uh, Queen Kamara, also famously known for the K-Wayne Skits, turns 16 this week. Chris Pratt turns 43. Uh, Tika Sumter. Tika Sumter from... The Have and Have Not, she turns 42 this week, and Meryl Streep turns 73 this week. Cindy Lopper turns 69 this week, and Randy Jackson turns 66. Tom Anderson turns 29 this week, and um, Ariana Grande turns 29. Lionel Messi turns 35 this week, and Salon Nose turns 36, and Ema Shumpert turns 32. From The Flash, Candice Patton turns 34 this week, and Mindy Kaling from The Office turns 43. Rudy Gobert turns 30 this week, and J.J. Reddick turns 38, and Ricky Gervais turns 61. Dale Curry, that's his father. Steph Curry turns 58 this week, and Lala Anthony turns 41. Busy Phyllis, Billy Phyllis of Cougartown turns 43 this week, and King Batch turns 34. Derek Jeter turns 48 this week. Mikey Williams turns 18, and finally, Michael Vick turns 42. We have some honorable mentions, but before that, we have Portia Williams. Porsche Williams turns 41 this week, and Carson Daly turns 49. And then finally, Danny Green, NBA champion, Danny Green turns 35. Now we have some honorable mentions. Pistol Pete Maravich, Pistol Pete, passed away 1988, would have been 75 this week. Wilma Rudolph, Wilma Rudolph, passed away 1996, would have been 82 this week. Anthony Bourdain, tragically took his life passed away 2018 i believe would have been 66 this week Zeus or as you may know him famously as uh Debo Tommy Lister passed away 2020 would have been 64 this week Robert Downey Jr. Robert Downey I'm sorry Robbie Downey Sr. passed away just last year 2021 would have been 86 this week and George Michael George Michael passed away 2016 would have been 59 this week well that's all the birthdays we have this week guys now back to our show we do not own the rights to this music
2: questions many people may have, and you see this, unfortunately, all too often, is people saying, why do you have to keep trudging this up? Can't we just move on? It's been 400 years now. Can't we just move on? What do you hope would be sparked by the conversations that come from a magazine that delves into slavery like this? What-what do you... what do you want someone who sits at home and says, they go, Nicole, I'm-I'm white, and I-I have nothing to do with this, and I don't know what you want me to do? What
3: would you hope people take away? Uh, that's a great question. Let me just say, for the record, nobody wants to get over slavery more than black folks. Uh, it's (laughs) not... It's not to our benefit, right? So the, the fact that our nation can't get over slavery has not benefited black people for a single day. But that's the problem. We've never dealt with the harm that was done. I'm 43 years old, and my father was born into a Mississippi where black people couldn't vote, black people couldn't use public facilities. That was all perfectly legal. We're not far removed from this past at all. And there's never been uh, any effort to redress that harm. So what I hope that people will take from the magazine, every single story in the magazine starts with, America today, Mm -hmm. and shows how these things about American life that you think are unrelated to slavery actually are. And I hope by confronting that truth, maybe we can finally start to repair the harm that was done and then finally, uh, start to live up to be the country of our ideals.
2: There's been so much talk about uh, history and heritage. Mm -hmm. People talking about monuments in America, people talking about the history of America. But in many ways, Brian, you would argue that the history people wish to America is not... uh, wish to remember of America is not really the full story. What is your project about? Well, it's about confronting the fact that we're not really free in America. I think we're burdened by a history of racial inequality that we have not addressed. And it's become like smog in the air, and we all breathe it in. And it doesn't take much to expose these conflicts and tensions. And so we're trying to change that. We want to talk about some things that haven't been talked about. I think we need to talk about the fact that we're a post-genocide society. Before white settlers came to this continent, there were millions of native people who were slaughtered through famine and war and disease, but we didn't call it a genocide. We said, those people are savages, and we created this narrative of racial difference, this ideology of white supremacy, And that's what ushered in centuries of enslavement. And for me, the great evil of American slavery wasn't involuntary servitude, it wasn't forced labor, it was this ideology of white supremacy, this idea that black people aren't like white people. And we never really addressed that. If you read the 13th Amendment, it talks about dealing with involuntary servitude and forced labor, but it doesn't talk about ending this ideology of white supremacy. And because of that, I don't think slavery ended in 1865, I think it evolved and it turned into decades of terrorism and violence. And we don't understand that history, and that's why we started this project. Between the end of the Civil War and World War II, thousands of African Americans were pulled out of their homes, they were burned alive, they were hanged, they were brutalized. We're not interested in talking about this history because we wanna punish America. I think we wanna liberate America. Mm -hmm. We wanna get us to the place where we can actually look at one another without this narrative of racial difference, this ideology of white supremacy limiting who we are and what we can be.
1: You know, I've always had a problem with the the name or the word or uh, anything that says Black History Month. I always thought that was weird. And of course, you know, it's the month that I was born and everything, but more so over it was, uh, I was always like, why the shortest month? You know, I'm always going to be the cynical one to figure out or find out why these things are the way that they are. Um, But then I was like, why a month? And I learned later that Carter G. Woodson, I believe it was Carter G. Woodson, uh, who started uh, Black History Week. So of course it evolved and it was in February. And of course it evolved into Black History Month. But the thing that bothered me about it was uh, why do we have to wait until February to even learn anything about the history of this country? And um, and I say that because it's not just black history. Uh, black history or African-American history is just that, American history. So why did the books try to quell shit and try not to speak on it? And then we had to fight just for people to learn about it. To only know that now that they have this thing, race-based theory or whatever, critical race-based theory, and then they're trying to eliminate it. Because for some reason, um, this white guilt where they do not want to feel bad about um, or feel guilty about what their ancestors did. And this is the funny thing about it. Is it really ancestors? We're talking about like a generation or two ago where a lot of these things were happening. We're talking about things now where we're getting uh, what they call it domestic terrorism uh, from people who are still killing unarmed black people. You still have people still lynching black people and saying, oh, they killed themselves. There's so many things that are still happening till this day. But yet and still, they want to act as if they're not happening. And that's the problem I have. I don't want to have it or call it Black History Month. I just want it to be history every month. This should just be part of curriculum. And now these days, they're trying to find ways to get these things out of curriculum. And people always ask every time they turn around, "Oh, why did they must? Why must they celebrate? Oh, the first black." I keep hearing, "This is the first black. You're the first woman, the first black, the first this and first that." That's because of white supremacy. And people say, that doesn't exist. Yes, it does. Think about it. These people many years ago crawled out of the Caucasus Mountains and went ahead and said, huh, we're better than them because we who look like this are better than these people who look like that. First started off with these people who started math and technology. They said, huh, they learned from these people but had this wicked mind and said, I'm going to use that knowledge against them. We're gonna to come together and formulate a plot and say, we're gonna become civilized, air quote. And these are all savages. They're just savages because they're different from us. And started conquering different parts of the world. They said, Oh, look, we learned how to make boats. We actually learned technology from others, but we learned how to make boats. We're gonna use these boats to go to other places and colonize, defeat them, Subjugate them to different things, and say we're gonna use this opportunity to spread our religion, they use religion as a tool, and in the religion is told them it told the people there that it's okay to be enslaved. This is the way, this is the order of things. If you do these things, you do good by these things. When you get to the afterlife, you'll be blessed. And it's funny, one of those places, African nation in South Africa, where we had to celebrate the first black president in Nelson Mandela in 1994, where the first province president was a white man in 61. This is a black nation, this is Africa. There is no white nation in Africa. My favorite movie is Shaka Zulu. My favorite character in history in that area is Shaka Zulu because he brought them the closest to conquering that area and getting the white men out of their area in Cape Town. But he was betrayed by his own people. And that still happens today. So we celebrate Mandela. We, all he wanted to do was end apartheid, which apartheid was more no more than saying that whites and blacks cannot commingle. That's the basis of it. Is we could go into deeper things about it, but as apartheid, it was, it was just that, that. It was about white supremacy. That, we are better than you, we dominate you, we're gonna be in a higher scale of life over there. The poverty people, people in poverty in that region are all native. We celebrate the first black woman to go into outer space in Mae Jemison in 1992. Why did we do that? Why do we celebrate the first? Because it's for so long, we were not even allowed to read. Think about that. They don't want you to become educated because there's nothing more powerful than an educated Negro. And that's what the fear is. That's what the fear is. President Obama, our first president, first black president, Thurgood Marshall, our first Supreme Court justice. In spite it all, in spite of everything that's said in front of us, we're still able to achieve something. We're still able to climb that ladder. But there is distinctive fear there that they are losing something. We are losing our way. We are losing our foot off of their necks. And the fear is that one day that we are going to come to a place where they're going to want reparations. They're going to want to become equal. They're going to probably try to get some form of payback. That's the fear. It's not about being e- equality. They want to make sure that you know that they are still better than you. They don't want you at the table with them. They despise you for whatever reason. They say you smell funny, you look funny. You're nothing more to them than someone who's supposed to entertain them. You're not there to eat at their table. They don't want you to marry their daughters. They don't want that. They don't want to they don't want to dirty their bloodline that's how they see you. We have to get to a point where our thinking changed. We have to get to a point where we see that all of us being equal is for the betterment of society. It's for the betterment of the human race as a whole. But until we see that, until we understand that, the human race is doomed to destroy itself. Until next time well that's it this week guys for our summertime soapbox special now go out there and enjoy that nice nice weather out there in this summertime and we'll see y'all next time enjoy your summer people